Earlier this year, before the world started moving so rapidly in the direction of hell in a handbasket, I recorded a couple episodes of one of the hometown locals, David Douglas. This episode was us interviewing my longtime friend and coach, Yannicka Lane. Now, make no mistake about it, we're not letting up on what's going on in America today. But here's a lighter episode for those of us that realize that balance is a major key. We now join this episode already in progress, and as always, thank you for listening. Coach Elaine has a track and field career spanning almost 20 years on the community college level. He's currently coaching sprints and hurdles over at the University of Pepperdine, or Pepperdine University in Southern California, right? Yep. Okay, he has a Bachelor's of Science in Kinesiology. He's a certified two USA track and field jump coach. Um, he's taught on a corporate level, organizations such as Washington Mutual that used to be like a bank or something, but yeah, there's yeah, no yeah. more, right? No. Okay, Wash- yeah, yeah. So he taught corporate fitness over at Washington Mutual, uh, and he's held certifications with uh, the American College of Sports Medicine. Yeah. And uh, CSCS, that's Certified Sports... National uh, Association of Strength and Conditioning. Okay, okay. So uh, with that being said, that's a real quick intro on Coach Anika Lane. You got a little, a little bit more you want to tell us about yourself? Uh, well, no, I've been uh, coaching for about uh, 20 years. Got into coaching at a point in my life where I got a chance to figure out where my passion really laid in. And I had the means to, to be able to take the time to, to actually in, invest in myself in that way. Right. You know, I was making definitely a, a pivot career-wise okay. from what I was doing before. Did you run track and field yourself? I did in high school. Okay. And uh, maybe like one season at a community college. Right. And that's when I returned back into co- to, to coaching is when I went back to the school that I had ran for in my youth. What event? Uh, I was a, uh, in high school, I was a half miler. Okay. 800 meters. And Middle distance. Four by four. Then went into uh uh, when I when I went to uh, Santa Monica College is where I went to school. Oh yeah, okay. Uh, I decided to go focus on the four and the two. Okay. And that didn't work out too well. So. Four hundred meter one time around the track, two hundred meter half time around the track. Yeah. It didn't work out. What do you mean it didn't work out? What I got a first first meet. I popped my hammy. Ah. Oh yeah. That, that, <laughs> that's definitely not working out. One of the things that I, I crossed over into my coaching career is, if you're an athlete, don't take the time off. The worst thing you could do for a sprinter is take a year off. And that's what I had done. Uh, your memory tells you that you can do some things. Right. And then your body tells you, no, fool, you've been off for a year. You right. haven't done anything. Right. Don't expect to be able to do those things. And right. that's exactly what happened. So first, first 200. Up, Just and, like that. Oh, yeah. Okay. So would you, would you say that's uh, would be up for debate? Because I've heard some coaches say, like, you, you want to take some time off. You want to listen to your body, stuff like that. But when you're saying that don't take the time off, like, oh, what, what would you say to those coaches that, that are training them to give them time or more time off? I mean, it's, it's all relative. I mean, time off, you, you know, you could take a couple of weeks off. You yeah, could take a yeah. month off. A year, especially as a sprinter, when you're redlining mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, physiologically, right. you're pushing the envelope. Mm-hmm. A year off is like an eternity. I yeah. mean, you atrophy and, and your motor coordination goes out the window. You lose a lot. And, and you uh, only have a short window in, in the life in the right. lifespan of a sprinter. A sprinter oh. Yeah. You know. I, I remember in a couple of years that we coached over at Valley together, we used to always try to go out and recruit the football players to come over in the track and field after the football season was over. Yeah. Now I saw that as a benefit to them as far as con- continuing to to develop their speed, because speed is the foundation of all exercises, right. if you ask me, right? Yeah. But uh it was kind of hard to get those guys to transition over. But as far as uh not really taking time off from the, the active side. I mean, you can take a break from your sport. Like as a sprinter, you say you can just start, get off the track for a little while, but still stay in the gym as far as Yeah, you can yeah. always do cross-training, yeah. some other type of form yeah. of exercise. 
Just but, don't start moving. But but yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, yeah. and most sprinters, they're good for the one and the two, but they will not touch the four. So one of the main things I tried to instill in our athletes was if you master that four as a sprinter, you're the shit. Nobody's gonna touch you. Right. Cause you can go up or down both sides and, and you know, you, you just got a different mindset. Cause you're willing to run full speed around that track, 400 meters as fast as you can, everything you got. That's what separates the men from the boys. The person that's gonna be great, gonna be the one that don't stop training. Who's willing to put in the hurt. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's it's true. The, it's the pain. It's like most people like the reward and worry about the consequences of getting that prize. You know, it's like, well, you go out and party, get drunk, you know you're gonna have a hangover if right. you overdo it. The memory of that pain of that hangover kind of disappears, and then you remember how much fun you had partying. Right. So you went prize first, pay the consequences later. Got it. 400 meters, track and field, put in the hurt first, so you can have the gold okay. at the end. That's a different mindset. Yeah, it's a completely different mindset. And, and, and not everybody wants to go there. They get it a little mixed up. Yeah, right. and and that's and that's 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 a lesson in life. Yeah, pain first, prize later. You well, know? I, I feel like relatively speaking, all different sports they have this like a similar mindset, but there's sports like track and field that exposes you. So like you can't just you can't, hide. You can't just hide. Yeah, you, you can't, can't have step. There's no place, so, no place to yeah, hide. like my sport, powerlifting, the same thing. You can't have step and go to a competition and think that you're gonna all of a sudden hit a, a record. Same thing with track. You can't right. beat so and so from this school if you're sitting here talking to a girl at track practice and you're not doing nothing. Right. You kind of get what I'm saying. So, but like football players, I mean, they it, they do they get to hide a little bit. You know, right. I mean, they put in the work, but the ones, the shining stars are the ones that put in the work. Right. Shining stars are the ones that are going for the track season at the end of the football season. Shining stars are in the weight room, put in the weight. Right. But they, they get exposed because those are the ones going to the NFL combines, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. so complete difference. Yeah. <clears throat> but I like that mindset. I like, I like that uh, analogy as well, too. Rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. Um, but I was watching one of those little social media clips the other day, and it was uh, AI, Allen mm -hmm. Iverson. He mm -hmm. was speaking about one night when he was hanging out with Kobe. And, you know, they finished up doing whatever they was doing. And, and AI was like, you know, well, I'm done. I'm, I'm getting ready to go to the club. What you going to do, Kobe? Kobe's like, I'm going to the gym. <laughs> and he just laughed about it because that's what made Kobe what he was. Yeah. Focused, laser light. Yeah. Well, and that's, and that's crazy you brought that up because people were saying, oh, I wish I, I, wish I could have been like Kobe or LeBron or any. Naming all these top athletes, right? And I feel like kind of reflecting off what he said, People want the prize of being recognized as that top athlete, going into pe people recognizing them and doing this and the third. But they're not wanting to be, when the, the lights are off, they're grinding, they're sweating, they're taking time away from their family, they're doing all this other stuff that takes to get to that top athlete. I mean, they, they said LeBron was spending five, six hours just recovery. Right. Like, you're talking about the hyperdermic chamber, yeah. you're talking about, like, the red light therapy, like, the uh, deep tissue massage, this is back to back to back. And he's doing this almost daily. Do you want to do that, or you want to Damn. go out and like sign autographs and, and talk to all these right. people? It's it's the mindset. And I'm gonna tell you, right now that may seem like a lot, but let's say for instance, LeBron. These guys they put in ten years laser focus, mm -hmm. and the rest of their life is is there. I mean, they're gonna be retired yeah. before the rest of their 40. life is butter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's the early in the stages of life. I mean, you imagine you're retiring at forty. Yep. Yeah. The hell are you gonna do with the rest of your life? Muhammad Ali. Struggle now and live the rest of your life as a champion. Mm. He was like, I hated training, yeah. you know, but I knew what it was going to do for me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> All right, so. Even, even, not to cut you off, the um, Usain Bolt. He hated training too. Yeah, yeah, that's your people. Even his documentary spoke, it spoke volumes. Yeah. About him. And, and anybody that follows track and field would say he would have been a, a, 
the greatest 400 yeah. meter runner right, in the right, world. Yes, yes. And he's like, yeah, nope. well, it won't be me. No. It, you know, because yeah. it's just too much work. It's a different level. And yeah. it's like, ah, his I don't setup feel is that so pain. crazy. I, did, I just, to, to, to watch him get up to speed, you see, he got people, I mean, it just, just, it didn't, it didn't make sense to me because his, his legs don't look like they're moving that fast. But he's galloping past these people. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And for me, I don't really, I mean, okay, yes, his legs are moving fast, but yeah. it's one and one is two. That's true. He's 6'5". Yeah, yeah. His he, average competitor is what, 5'10"? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, but he's got the same leg speed as, yeah. as they do. And that's rare. That, that, but that's yeah. great. That's I see rare. Tyson Gage, his whole body shaking. Yeah, and yeah. then it just, you saying it's just fluid. Like yeah. it's just. Running efficiency. Yeah. I, I feel bad for all the guys that came along in Usain Bolt's path, just like all the guys <laughs> that fell in on the Michael Jordan's who, who, who path. Who would have been world like, record holders. Right. Yeah. And he's just like, no, I'm putting the bar this far higher and yeah. y'all better try to catch me. And it's like, oh, good Oh, luck. it's going to be unbelievable to see that bar broke though. Yeah, Someone's coming. Someone's not coming. in our lifetime. I don't you don't think, think in so? Our Who knows? You don't think you'll get touched Who in our knows? lifetime? Nine, five, eight. That's what not... was the fastest thing before that? I think uh, seven. Asafa like... Power did it. Asafa Power, yeah. But it yeah. was like nine, eight, five or something. Uh, it was nine, seven, nine, like nine, 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 seven, seven, nine, seven or something. Nine, nine, seven, six, yeah, something like yeah. that. Okay, okay. But uh, before we move on, okay, uh, I, I just pointed out before Coach Yannick Lane. That's my coach from back in the days, and I just want to throw this story out there real quick on how I remember meeting. And if I'm correct, I was over at CSUN, Cal, Cal State, State Northridge. Yeah, yeah, Cal State Northridge, and I was out there putting in work. And you was over there training some of your athletes or something like that. No, I was uh, I was teaching. You were teaching. I was, oh, you uh, had a I class. was a TA, so I was teaching a lot of physical activity class, and I happened to be either teaching a running conditioning class or a track and field class. Right. And uh, they they let the general public use the tracks, and right. he was on there doing. Some 200s on, yeah. on his own, and uh, he came up to me asking me for some pointers. I'm not sure, but uh, I think he might have said, well, maybe can, you can train me sometimes. And I was like, well, love to train. I don't really have the time. And I had a full plate. I was teaching here. I was coaching in the afternoon, yeah. you know, so I didn't know if I was going to have time. But I said, well, you know, as, as a coach does, you're constantly thinking about recruiting. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you got any Prospect. eligibility left? Or did you, did you? Right. I said, no, nah, I'm, I'm fresh out the Marines or whatever. Yeah. So uh, I said, well, you know, I can spend some more time with you, but I'm over here at uh, LA Valley College over in Van Nuys. If yeah. you ever want to stop by, then right. we can talk. And one thing led to another and yeah. put them in some 12 units. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And the funny thing about that is I'm one of those sprinters, you know, I think I'm a 100-meter sprinter. I got these wheels, but you get on the track and the coaches, they analyze you, they see what you got. Rest in peace, Coach Harvey, Coach, Coach Harvey. Woolman, yourself. You guys like, you know, T, you strong on the end, you know, you need to do that 400. And it's a fight in the beginning. Although I thought I was a little bit more uh, free-willing to run the 400 because, yeah, yeah you know. I was you were like, more open-minded. How, how old were you at this time? Huh? How old were you at this time? When we first started training, I was probably 30. Cause I was, cause I was sub masters. I had to train a couple years with you guys. Yeah, 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 to get up to win that masters title. But uh, yeah, so I was probably about thirty. Okay. Yeah, cause I did a little time in New York, the, the acting, modeling stuff when I got out of the core. And uh, what brought me back out to California? Oh yeah, nine eleven happened. So I was oh, like, let me get back out to yeah. California where it's chill. Yeah. So then that's what brought me back out this way. So, uh, but yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, CSUN. That's where I met Coach Elaine yeah. at. All right. So as far as current events, we spoke about you currently coaching over at Pepperdine University, the yeah. sprints and the hurdles. Is that both male and female? Uh, yes, but they don't really have much of a male sprint program yet. How many male? How many female? I've got about uh, 11, 12 girls. Okay. Um, one or two sprinters. Okay. Males. The whole program is, is relatively new okay. in terms of track and field. They, they were mostly a cross-country program only got and uh, Title IX. You got to get the numbers to balance out across campus and across the sports. So they added track and field, indoor, outdoor. 
okay. which counts as two sports. So that helps them out. But we're, we're really kind of starting from, from ground level okay. in terms of building a program. We still don't even have a whole lot of the facilities that a normal track and field program has. Well, I think Pepperdine's not going to have a problem getting it. I mean, that's a pretty prestigious uh, college, right? Yeah, no, it's just a matter of just showing, showing them that we've got the talent and, and, and we're, we're building a program that, you know, that's justifies good. them funding it, you know, like uh, other sports. So, What challenges have you faced so far? Not, not having facilities. Oh, yeah, don't, yeah, that's a pretty big <laughs> and, one. And they don't offer scholarships. So oh. as, a, as a Division One that doesn't offer scholarship. Ah, it's Division One. Yeah. How, do you, how are you attracting recruits then? Exactly. Yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> that's exactly. And that's kind of like what, how I was at, when I was at the JC level. Yeah. And maybe that was probably the attraction for them hiring me is knowing that, you know, you have to recruit knowing that you're not offering any scholarships. In California, we're the only JCs that do not offer athletic scholarships. You go out of states, they offer scholarships for, for community colleges, but not in California. Yeah. So top prospects would have a hard time. Yeah, down yeah, there. unless yeah. you really want to. And most of the kids go to Pepperdine for the, for the academics. Right. Okay. Uh, so you get a lot of, you know, able academic students, high-level academic students that just want to run track okay. and, and continue their, their, their athletic career. So okay. uh, that, that, that's a good fit in that respect. Yeah, I'm sure you're going to do well over there. I remember those recruiting days being at Valley for a little while. That can be a little challenging, but, you know, it also keeps you on your toes, keeps, yeah. you, keeps your eyes open looking yeah, for yeah. that new talent. So yeah. that's not so bad. Uh, I'm going to switch it up just a tad as far as the track and field is concerned, but I'm going to bring it back to it. Um, just speaking about life, so to speak, um, and, and who you are as a, as a man, let's talk about some challenges in your life that you had to overcome. Tell us some stories that maybe can help motivate or influence other people that may be experiencing those same situations. Well, I mean, uh, I can talk. One of the things that came to mind coming, coming over about some of the things that I went through is, is the career change I made to okay. get into coaching. Just to give you some background, I was, uh, <clears throat> during the 90s when I was in my 20s, let's say 20, from 26 to, to 30, uh, I was into entertainment security. Okay. For a high... High-level entertainment. Yeah, yeah. high-level high celebrities. Yeah, yeah, high-level celebrity. Uh, I was on a concert tour from 92 to 97. Oh, there okay. you go. And uh, so it was a hell of a ride, okay. to say the least. Right. You know, I got to travel the world, mm -hmm. stay, stay in some five-diamond hotels, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Travel charter and right. make really good money for a 26-year-old. I was making money like an attorney. Good times. Being a kid, being a kid that, that came from very little humble beginnings, you know, always having struggle for money. Right. It was it was a nice change of pace, and I was fortunate, and I felt fortunate, you know, because basically it was just me saying yes to an opportunity when it was offered to me. Right. It wasn't because I had that as a goal, or it was completely happenstance. Right. And that's another lesson that I always keep in mind moving forward. It's like. Somebody offers you an opportunity, don't think too much about it. Try to say yes in most instances because you never know where it's going to lead you. Absolutely. Uh, and, you mean and if someone offers you a positive opportunity? <laughs> opportunities, you don't know if it's positive until you take it. Right, okay. okay. If you think too much about it, you'll turn it down and then it's like, oh, wow. You missed out. Yeah, and, okay. and if it doesn't work out, you learn something out of it. There's, there's always a lesson, so okay. you, you're still growing. Okay. So uh, okay. that's the attitude okay. I, I've taken to this point. Even me coming out here. Right. To this yeah, podcast yeah. and doing this podcast. I've never done a podcast, but, <laughs> you know, T calls me up saying, hey, we want to do a podcast. Hey, you're doing your research, though. I like that. And I said, oh, I'm, I'm in, and then we'll figure it out later, yeah, you know. Yeah. Got so, it. Okay. So, so that was, that was, that's my attitude. So uh, I was doing entertainment security, being on a constant tour, making good money, right. single man. And, uh, you know, initially it was, it was super exciting, you know, and then you get into the routine of things right. to, to the point where you start figuring things out and then you start seeing the world around you. And after five years, 
I'm sitting in a condo apartment right off the Champs-Élysées in Paris, and I'm sitting on the porch, or a balcony, rather, and I'm drinking some single malt and smoking a Monte Cristo, and I'm looking over across the street, and uh, this club was across the street called Barfly. It was a Friday night, and you would just see exotic cars drive up, and then supermodels just walking out of there, just filing into the club. And I'm across the street, and I'm sitting here. I got money in the bank. I just bought a house. I got a good car. I got money in my pocket, and I'm miserable. I'm so, I feel so isolated. I can't go nowhere. I'm, I'm, looking, I'm in paradise, and I can't do nothing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, how long am I going to do this for? Because as far as I was concerned, at this point, I was, I was, I was in. I can keep this job as long as they'll have me. And that's another thing, you know, job security in that kind of field is, you know, right. you're, you're here as long as we like you, as, as long as we can afford you, as long as right. we feel we need you. But things got to change tomorrow, you're gone. Yeah. Right. So everything that you sacrifice and the times you put in, you got compensated for it. That's it. That's it. Right. And you got to start over. And yeah. so my thing was like, well, how long is this going to last? How long can I do this for? You know, this is, more, this is more like a job now. This is not just whirlwind traveling and it's exciting. I mean, I was spending like nine, nine and a half months a year out of a suitcase. Yeah. And you never, pl- you never know when you're going home. You might say, hey, get your suits, get your bags. We're going to New York. It sounds and, like you're working for some type of government agency, but you said it, it's just a celebrity. It's just for. a celebrity. But, 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 but at the end of the day, you know, no. it's like in the beginning, you're part of a 10-man crew. And at the end, you're part of a two-man crew. And you're tied at the hip with the principal. Right. And if he needs you, he needs you. Right. You, you're on the payroll. You're on the clock 24-7. So you're not, I'm not wandering the streets of Paris trying to <laughs> club it up. Right. Enjoying life, enjoying my youth. No, I'm, right. I'm right next to right. his ass in the, down the hallway. Right. And I'm by the phone. Mm-hmm. And it's like, dude, it's getting old. And they got old. And I was like, you know, if I stick around too long, I'm going to start getting resentful. Right. I'm going to start feeling entitled because I felt like I'm sacrificed a lot right. part of my life to, to this person. And, right. you know, and I'm not, I don't really have a say on what goes on. I'm just following him along. I'm tagging along. All the axes I have, all the beautiful things I'm seeing right. is attributed because of, he's doing that. Right, I understand. It's not me. So it's mm. like, okay, well, you know, I don't want to sit there too long and start associating my, my whole uh, uh, self-esteem and my self-worth tying, tying it to this person right, right. So, and their status. So, um, so what's the life expectancy for that type of job? I mean, is it one some, year? Some, some people, I mean, like the guy that hired me, he came in and he was there pretty much the whole lifespan. I mean, he was there till they pushed him out. And that was and like- And it was 60, in, in his late 60s. Okay. You know, and they pushed him out and he didn't want to go. Got it. And it's just like, ooh, and I see that going on around me. It's like people right. that- Overstay their welcome or overstay their usefulness, and right. it's it's not a good sight, you know. Okay. And uh, but it's it's a young man's game, you know. I mean, the logistics you can do that pretty long, but fighting crowds and, and crowd control and all that stuff that's that's a young man's game. So basically, it, it got to that point where that was a crystallizing moment for me when I'm sitting on the balcony, feeling completely depressed, isolated, lonely, knowing that I had all these assets and all this thing going for me, but wasn't happy and knowing that. This is not a future. So, so how many more years or months were you there after you had that moment? Oh, it was the summer of 97. I said to myself, we were supposed to go home for like a month and then go back, on, back out on the road to South Africa for the other tail of this uh, you tour. You were all over the place. Oh, no, I've been around the world twice. That's awesome. That's you know? amazing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But I can say that now because I left early enough. <laughs> <There> you, <laughs> you know, right. I, I, knew, I knew when it could. Right. So uh, I said, well, let me wrote out the resignation letter. Right. Didn't tell nobody. I didn't tell my, my colleague because he would try to talk me out of it. Right. 
Because at this point, we had a good thing going. Everything was in sync. Everything was working properly. But I was miserable. I was like, dude, I can't, I can't do this too long. I right. can't do this too much longer. I'm going to be, I'm going to be hating life and I'm going to be hating him. Right. And I don't want to be in that position because I've, this has been a blessing the so last you, five years. So you were done within six months of that, that, that moment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. within, within, within two months. Two months. Okay. Within two months. I just that, finished that, that yeah. leg of the tour and I was like, I'm taking, I'm getting you home and then I'm, Got I'm out. Okay. That's another shining example of money doesn't really pay for happiness, you know? Yeah, that's what you realize. Yeah. yeah. You, that's what you realize. I mean, it allows you a lot of flexibility. Oh, yeah. But what it did allow me is to have the confidence and the financial means to actually invest on what it really was that I wanted to do. So when I got home and I'm thinking I got no income and I got time on my hands, what is it that I'm going to do for the rest of my life? What is it that's going to get me out of bed and get me moving? And uh, a friend of mine at the time uh, said, oh, you know, because I used to work out a lot. I used to be in the gym and right. kind of be in, whenever I had some free time at right. the hotels, I would hit the hotel up and, and the hotel gym and, and get my workout in. Right. And, uh, you know, during those times, like the mid 90s, early 90s, you get all your information from those muscle mags and <laughs> yeah. muscle and fitness and <laughs> yeah. Ironman, all that stuff. Uh, so I'm thinking, oh, I want to get into personal training. So a friend of mine says, oh, you know, you should sign up with this, this course through UCLA Extension. And they were offering this certificated program for personal trainers. Uh, so I, I enrolled in that at the time, had the means. So, so that was the beginning of the fitness that was, career? That was the beginning of the fitness career. Okay. And as I got educated, I said, well, what else? I got free time, so I got to start working. So I decided to go in and say, well, what is it that you're passionate about? I said, well, I do miss track and field. Mm -hmm. I never really got that out of my system, so I should try to explore that. Okay. So I went down to Santa Monica College to my old coach and uh, asked if he had any positions open for, for assistance. Okay. And he says, well, you know, I ain't got no paying position, <laughs> but you, you're more you can come help free. out. You could definitely come and help out. Right. And it turns out that that was, that was the beginning of my coaching career because, uh, you know, he pretty much gave me free reign. Right. I would just come in, show my workouts plan for the, for the day. Okay. And he says... Uh-huh, uh-huh. All right, you right. got it. I'll see you. I'll come out there sometime. And pretty much I had the whole spring program. Who's this coach you? Tommy Smith. Okay. From 68 Olympics. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, big, okay, big time. Yeah, yeah. So he, he, let, me, he let me have him. Okay. And, you know, at, at the time, you know. It wasn't what, rocket science, right? It's not rocket science, but if I knew then Genius. what I know now, right. oh, it would have been a whole different game. Right. Because I had talent. Mm. Right. I had Steve Smith on the team from Carolina Panthers. Mm. You know, he was walking around. Wow. And I had, you know, 10, 4, 7 sprinters and 10, I mean, I had a squad. It was like, dude, I didn't even recruit any of these people. They're just having to be on campus <laughs> on the team. And wow. I'm, and I'm and I, you know, so I'm thinking, oh, this coaching stuff is great because we're, roll, we're rolling. So those were probably the best athletes that you had in your entire career. Close in the to beginning. Them. And, and, and one, in, one, in one group, yeah. One group and oh, yeah, know we were deep. Right. Yeah. And, and I didn't recruit none of them. That's how And I didn't know a fraction what I know now. Yeah. yeah. And okay. uh, so I was like thinking, oh, this is going to be easy. Okay, so a uh, little bit of story as far as your transition from uh, the security to the to the track and field. Any words of wisdom from any of these young kids these days that are out there looking to succeed in life? What you got for them? Well, one is a say yes to opportunities. Say yes to opportunities. Okay, and uh, and you got to set some goals, right? You okay. know, and and be willing to work for them. But it's it's just like Coach Harvey used to say, like the metaphor with the four hundred. You got to hit those check marks. You place those check marks. And those check marks are like, he would set up cones around the track. And he would just talk to you about, this is a tragedy to get to this first cone. And then once you get to that cone, start thinking about what you got to do to get to that next cone. Right. 
and just break it down into pieces that you can handle. Right. Small goes to a big goal. Exactly. Because if you, if you just think about the finish, all you're thinking about the pain that you're going to be feeling at the end of that race. Mm-hmm. And that's not what you got. That's not what's going to get you there. That's not what's going to get you out of your comfort level to get there. Because we all have that inner governor that says, avoid discomfort, increase the pleasure. Right. That's human nature. Mm-hmm. So if you know that pain is coming at the end, you're going to have a hard time Get committing to, to getting to the end. Even oh, yeah. when we're working with you, getting ready for the, for the Masters Championship, is we got to work on this certain aspect of your race. You focus on this part so that you can get to this end. You just change your mindset. I got this mindset for this. Got this mindset for this goal. Get this mindset for this goal. And before you know, you get to where you really want it to be ultimately. I mean, I would like to think that everybody has this mindset, but I just understood that I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. And yeah. you did. You the coach. Yeah. That's why I'm here. So I just did, because I believed in my coaches, I did what you told me to do. It's what, really pretty simple. Well, and that's another thing, with, with, especially in terms of coaching, is, is, is the, having the athlete buy in. I don't know mm. what your experience was, you know, with, with mm-hmm. powerlifting, but you got to buy into what the oh, coach is sure. selling. Because it doesn't matter how much knowledge he's got. If you ain't buying it, it ain't going to work. And it's you not can't, gonna work. And you can't, as an athlete, say that it didn't work if you didn't buy in. You, you know, got to buy in, you know, then you can assess at the end of the season or what have you and say, well, that worked, didn't work. Right. Because, I mean, you know, athletics in general, it's, it's, there's, there's a science to it where, where it's all based on, on the foundation, but there's, there's an art to it as well. Right. You got to develop that relationship. And because we had that relationship, right. that we'll figure it out. Right. I mean, you're talking about what worked or what didn't work. I mean, you guys put these cones down on the track. And it's like, okay, you got to get from this cone to this cone in this many seconds. Yeah. And then when I do that, or faster, it's pretty it, clear. It it's works. pretty evident, yeah. Yeah. It's not hard to see whether or not the coaches know what they're talking about. You know, you, you're a pretty smart guy. You got common sense. But um, I was definitely in the best situation. I mean, again, I met you over there, see some when I was out there running a couple of laps myself, and you guys took me in like like I was supposed to be there. And uh, yeah. I'm definitely grateful. Um, I'm over in, in Finland, you know, competing in this, this Masters for this title. And I just can't wait to get back to tell Coach Harvey, <laughs> right? I got this goal, right? But yeah. unfortunately, by the time I made it back, he had already passed away. He had already passed away. Coach Harvey was what was an assistant of mine, okay? And, and he was like one of the, you know, bigger blessings in yeah. my coaching career, just in the sense that he came in and his whole idea was to help me build this program. Mm. You know, it wasn't about him and his shine because he had already been coaching. Been there, done that. Yeah, he had been done that. He, he was he was a stroke uh, uh, victim, recovering. Right. And uh, he was getting back into coaching, but his whole idea was—I mean, he gave more than he took. Mm. You know, so yeah. uh, like he, he had my back, and he was—he was—he was like, my whole point of being here is to help you shine. You know, you don't get that many people like that come into your life, and, mm-hmm. and that's that's huge yeah. because he, he really did help me and he really got the ball rolling in terms of me figuring this coaching out. Because I mean, there's there's coaching athletes, mm-hmm. and then there's running a program. Oh yeah, and that's that's they don't teach you that in school. Right. You know, they don't teach you about recruiting. They don't teach you about fundraising and and, and right. budget management and and, and and procurement and all that stuff yeah. and, and and all the personalities you're gonna have to deal with. Mm-hmm. You know, and, yeah. and administration. <laughs> Yeah, uh, all, all those whole, things are those things. Whole, they don't they yeah. don't teach you that in school. It's, it's and a whole another side of the game. Yeah, right and, that, and that can that can that can really ruin your your coaching experience. It was like yeah. a, it, it could drive a lot of people out of it. Yeah, Coach Harvey used to say um, he used to love that move with Tyrese, and I'm gonna throw it at the end too deep because he used to always talk about end too deep. You remember that, no? Yeah. But um, if I ain't talking to you, then you got something to worry about. As long as I'm talking to you, that means I care. And you could talk. But when I stop talking <laughs> to you, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's yeah. when you're moving on. Yeah, you that's when I'm moving on. Yeah, Coach Harvey, rest in peace, Coach Harvey. Okay. 
All right, a couple questions I like to throw out to most of our guests, and we're coming, you know, wrapping it up, going to the latter part of the, the podcast is, for me, I mean, I kind of put these questions together. The first one being, what's your biggest fear? Wow, uh, biggest fear. It, it's, it's starting to hit me because I'm closer to the grave than the womb is uh, being able to retire. Okay. Uh, it means, and it's, it's kind of important to me to have enough resources to be able to retire. To so relax like, a little bit. If I, if, I, if I work as long as I want to, I want to be able to work because I want to, mm. not because I have to. Right. Mm. Uh, a lot of people work till, till they, till they kick, till, the yeah, till <laughs> kick the bucket. One of, our, one of the coaches at, at Valley uh, died the day after he retired. Oh, man. The uh, day after his retirement party. So I don't know if one caused the other or right. it was just, you know, you, you exhale too much and right. <laughs> that's, your, that's your last exhale. But uh, yeah, I want to be able to enjoy uh, okay, some, so, some some retirement. So so my thing is right now is 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 planning and making sure that I have enough financial resources that I can that I can actually retire. Got it. Set myself up. How old are you right now? If you don't mind me, I'm asking. 53. So you're trying to retire at 55 or 60? What's the deal? 63. 63. 63. What's the uh, retirement age these days? Uh, to collect to collect uh, social, social security. security, the earliest I think is 62. Okay. They try to entice you to hold out to like 67. Right. But, you know, if you're 67 and you die at 75, it's going to You see why they're trying to hold you out. Yeah, right. the, the extra money that, they, that you, you think you're going to get. That's like, that's not going to, you know, quality yeah. of life is not dying. So, right. so roughly, how much money do, does one need to retire? Would you move away? Because I know a lot of people retire and they move away from California because it's supposed to be so expensive to live out here. No, I love California. Yeah, so you'd yeah. say? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm in the city. I just, if you move away, you can't get back. But um, if I did have to move away, it'd be back to France. Okay. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. Back to France because that's where that's you... why that's where I was born. That's where okay. half my family's at. Okay. Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah, I came here when I was. So you're like, going back home. I know. Yeah. Okay. I understand that. Yeah. Okay. Biggest fear, retirement, or being ready for retirement. Not being able to retire. Not being able to retire. I want to be able, be able to retire. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's make it happen, Coach. Oh, I'm working on it. All right. I'm grinding. All right. So biggest <laughs> fear has something to do with retirement. All right. So uh, you got anything on that? No, I, I, I mean, I, I and again, I just always like to bring this up. Yours was rats, right? right. I never said rats, man. <laughs> <laughs> Keep bringing and, this uh, up. I, don't... Well, I, I can't say I'm, I'm much a fan of rodents. Yeah, either, I, yeah right? I'm saying I'm afraid yeah. of you. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I sort of had a fear of flying, but I'm I'm slowly overcoming that because the last flight I was on, because uh, we missed the podcast because I was in Utah. Mm -hmm. I was sitting with this young lady, uh, Machete Bang Bang. That's her IG handle. It, it's not sexually related. It's not sexually related. You should have left that one out. She's, no, no, no. She's, a, she's an entertainer. She's a, a director. She's a director. A movie director? Yeah. yeah. Okay, never mind. Anyway, 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 I was telling her, oh, once man. the plane landed, I was okay. like, oh, man, I hate flying. Because I was like, I'm not trying to really say that I'm in control. I'm a controlling person because, you know, I'm not controlling. But when I'm on this plane... I'm just putting myself in this guy's hands. Yeah. And she was just like, well, you're not in control anyway. So I had to think about that. I mean, wow. I'm more comfortable with driving my car every day because I do it every day, but I'm not in control of anything that can happen. So just that little moment, she was like, well, you're not in control anyway. I was just like, okay, I think I may be able to draw my next flight a little bit more yeah. just knowing that it's out of your hands. There's, yeah, so, many, there's, so, many, hands. there's so many. There's so many ways to die. You yeah. just pick one, you know. Yeah. And it's like you yeah. go through life, and then, like I said, I'm always retrospective and, and, and things that I've gone through yeah. trying, to, trying, to, trying to wean these lessons out of life. Right. And it's like, if you look back at your teenage year, I mean, that, and that's one of the things I always tell my athletes, it's like the, the age between 16 and 26 are the most dangerous times in your life. The decisions you make may, may, may 
alter the course right. of your life forever with the moves you make. You get in the wrong car, right. it might be over. You hang with the wrong folks, right. you might be, you know, you might get caught up and next thing you know, you're never the same. You know, you have to spend a, a weekend in county and get right. turned so, out. Yeah. You don't know what's going to happen. You know, you're not about that life, but you, you're yeah. in that situation and now you're trying to... Mm. Anyway, there's, there's all kinds of pitfalls in life, but yeah. uh, just imagine if you think back really closely, how many times you've escaped death. Right. And not even know it, you know. Anytime you're speeding down or you you racing with somebody yeah, down down yeah, the highway, yeah, I do that too much. It, it happens I, way uh, too often. Yeah, I flipped my '67 uh, Mustang when I was uh, 21. <laughs> See? 302 board over fast racing, cutting the food. Yeah, rolled over a hill. All I could think of was get the fuck out of the car because mm. in the movies they blow up now. <laughs> you know what I'm so I was in the hospital for a couple of days for that. But yeah, yeah. So you, you, you cheated death and then you know. Yeah. Yeah. See, I don't care. Even think about it. I don't care what analogy you use. I still hate flying. Like it just. I'm telling you though. Uh, it just. It you just gotta think about that. Yeah, you think about it before you start taking off. I start freaking out on the, the taxiway. I'm just. I'm sitting there. We right. hit bumps on the. Because <laughs> my dad said it's flying. It's like hitting potholes in the sky. Turbulence. Yeah, like oh, the turbulence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially going. It's to like Vegas. a bumpy road. Yeah, I, I can't think like that. Yeah. Just, just, I, That's what I did use. That's what I used to use when it started getting bumpy. I'm like, okay, it's just like me in the car. I'm on a dirt nah, road now. When when I was on tour, uh, the crew the crew in the band used to fly in this big plane, this big charter, and they were flying, I think, to Russia, and they were hitting air pockets. And you know, that's before they had the. Everybody was walking around getting drunk, and they they used to turn up in those planes. <laughs> You know, it's a charter, so you, you pretty much do what you want. Right. And uh, they hit some pockets where the, where the planes just, like, dropped, like, 200 feet in mm-hmm. an instant. So it just shot people that were walking through the aisles straight up to the ceiling Damn. and slammed them back down. One guy had a complete fracture of his tibia. And you're in the plane, and you're two hours away from landing <clears throat> for medical not. help. And you know what I used to say? I'm like, okay, when I get on a bus, they don't say nothing about putting on a seatbelt. Not on a bus. Right. But when I get on a plane... You telling me to put my seatbelt on? That's before I understood. I'm like, what the fuck is a seatbelt no, gonna dude. do for me in a plane? No, I'm gonna tell you what. <laughs> but that's before I, I realized that the air pockets, the drop. I'm gonna tell you what. When those wait, when those uh, stewardess, when they when they put they, when they have to sit down, put right. it. I'm, I'm oh, look. Me and Jesus have a long conversation at that point. When she's sitting there looking at me like you can't. What you sitting down for? It's serious, dude. No, it was the same thing. My first big powerlifting competition in Bath, England, 2010. And uh, at that point, before that, like I was, I mean, we flew to Afghanistan. We do. I was flying everywhere, so I was, wow. I, I loved it. I was in a window seat the whole time. Never had a problem. When I came back from England, I won this trophy. I'm all, you know, all cocky, full of myself. Like, yeah, they let me carry this big trophy on the on the plane. I'm like, oh, oh, you want me to talk to you about it? Okay, all right. So I sit here talking to somebody about it, and you in the 777, the big international yeah, airplanes, yeah. you know. So you. It's an apartment complex with wings, so you don't think that that's nothing's gonna rock right. this thing out of the sky. So <clears throat> we are flying, and all of a sudden it was a hard bank to the right, and I'm like, all right, cool. We don't mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden at 200, like I don't know how how much we right, felt, right. but we, we felt, felt it, yeah. and we went like this, and we went back up. We went like this, and we went back up. I made sounds in my life I've never been able to duplicate. And I was grabbing a hold of this front seat, and I, I I just was making these like it was like a dying pig. Like I don't I don't know what it was. And this lady in <laughs> front of try, me, try no, I'm not even trying. <laughs> and she turned around and looked at me. I'm freaking out. I'm like, nobody's gonna know my story. I don't know what. Like I, in my head, I'm thinking, running like. But they're telling your whole, your whole life is flashing. One hundred percent. And 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 kids were going like this. They're, they're like riding a roller coaster, throwing their hands <laughs> up. I, I, I remember it so vividly because that changed my life and how I viewed flying. Right. 
it and just that's, and that's it, where you're at right now when it comes I, to 100 I, I had to get drunk before i get on the plane right. when i go to the bar that's closest yeah. to my terminal and i <laughs> two double shots drink the coke when's the last time you flew um Dang. A year ago, I think. I'll be driving. I drove across country like three <laughs> <Yeah>. times. <laughs> yeah. In my van. Gotcha. Yeah. I can't okay. be doing that. So, retirement. Yeah. Rats. I'm right there with and flights. You're going to speak it into existence, right? Next question. Um, what's, your, what's, your, what's your favorite book or the last, last book you read? Listen, I'm not a big uh, reader. No? Talk to him. No. no. <laughs> I'm the same way. Okay. I'm, 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 I'm sorry. I, it should have been a habit that was. Instilled yeah. in me early on in life okay. that I didn't really take to. But uh, my nephew gave me this book a, a few years back for Christmas, Born to Run. Okay. And Did you read it? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, I used to sit in the bath and just read, read it. And just, it's a good book, then. Oh, it's, it's fantastic. It was just it talks about uh, this tribe in, uh, in Mexico near the Coppers Canyon. And they have a, they're an indigenous group that, that just culturally run. They live in these steep hills. Oh, wow. Of the Cooper King, and they just run barefoot or run with but, the But I ain't sandals. never heard about them winning a the marathon. It's always the Kenyans who win the Ultra marathons. Oh, that's long. They run. Marathon. They run eighty miles and up. They Dang. they grind, and they and they do it before they got it. They were put into these races where now you got a whole bunch of them that are running races. Women, right. men, running hundred miles in sandals, and they just do it for fun. See, and I don't understand that. I've, I've always wanted, like, you hear, like, um, David Goggins and stuff, and they, they give their testimonies on how far they've been running, and they're talking about their kidneys are shutting down, they're broken their feet. And yeah. I'm like, well, retrospect, I mean, I put weight on my back, and I'm wondering why. I'm, <laughs> so I'm wondering why. Yeah, you, <laughs> so I, I, just, I just got that way about saying it. it. Yeah. But I understand, I'm like, they're, they're, they're saying all this stuff, and I'm like, this girl passed out and then walked back up and started running again. I'm like, these yeah. people are, are killing themselves to yeah. get done with this this race. Like 130 miles, something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Five I, I, days, I three yeah, days, yeah. four days. Never ran a marathon, never planned to. When they asked me, hey, Coach T, why you want a marathon? That's why they make cars. That's why God made horses. Would you ever you run a marathon? You're not meant to run. <laughs> <laughs> no. no. And, not, and, and, not, everybody, and not everybody's built for that. Right. Yeah, not everybody's true, built true, for that. You know, some, some people, you know, like you get those Kenyans and they, they spend their first Ooh. 10 years of life barefoot and they have to run just to get to school five yeah. miles at that six year old. Okay, well, you might develop right. over the over the generations. Right. You might develop some elite guys yeah. that are just built for running. Yeah. So, that Kenyan beat that record. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 was it under two two hours? Yeah, under two, two hours. hours. Yeah. That's 26, crazy. Two, Twenty six point three. That's yeah. marathon, right? I always went because I always watched the LA Marathon and I try to watch the elite group as they pass by. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been fortunate to have them pass by the house a few times. Wow, that's awesome. And uh, and then you put it in perspective. Now you know if you ever ran on a treadmill, most treadmills go up to ten miles per hour. Yeah. Some of them will go up to 12 miles per hour. Okay. And if you ever try to run 12 miles per hour on a treadmill, you're flying. Do, do, you, do, do, your stride do. is wide open and yeah. you're rolling. Right. Those guys do that for two hours. Yeah. So that's how fast yeah. they're running. That's how fast miles? they're running. Like, comfortably. That's, that's what they're running. 12 miles 12 an hour. 12 miles an hour for two, two hours. hours. Comfortably. Let's go. And it's cool seeing that they bring those machines up to like Fit Expos and stuff like that, or like run his pace. Yeah. So like, they'll have you get on it. Obviously, they'll make it safe, but right. they'll speed it up to around like 13, 14 miles yeah, an hour. Yeah. I mean, and you got some people going like, they're trying everything right. they got, and he's running this the whole time. That's the world record pace. Yeah. So that's nuts. That, that's a testament to the human body, though. I oh, mean, no. With the oh, right conditioning, sure. the right guidance. But they were saying also some stuff like how it's technology, because he has a special shoe. And how he broke the record, they had a... They had a lead car and they had a laser. They had a whole pack. Of a whole, people yeah, people switching out them. one of them. Yeah. yeah, so they want to see if they could, if somebody could actually do it physically. Do it. Yeah, physically do it in a regular race. Yeah. He didn't do it in a regular race. Right. They set that up. 
Right. And they, they all the different scientists and stuff like that came together. Right. And so he basically just had to run it. You, if you know, you know what I'm saying? If you know where the record's at, not, in the, not you just know the, the number. Right. But like you have a laser right in front of you. It's, right. it's, a little, it's a little different, I feel like. Give it a shot. Once you break that mental, I take that back. I take that back. <laughs> once you break that mental barrier and, and, and realize that it can physically be done, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. then everybody's gonna be doing it. Right. That's true. And everybody's gonna be doing it. I mean, it, just it, just look at your sport. I'm sure there was a there was a milestone that oh, for, sure. for a long time it's like nobody can do this. Yeah. And no, nobody can have this combined weight. And then somebody did it mm-hmm. or crushed it. And yep. the next thing you know, it's falling yeah. left I and mean, right. I mean, that's how it was with that 977 when Asafa Power did yeah. that. And then yeah, they came yeah. along and did 9 something and 968 and then 958. Or the four eight. minute mile, you know. Yeah, the four minute, exactly. Nobody knows. At one point, nobody can do this. Oh, then, you'll die. You'll kill yourself. Yeah. You'll, you'll, you'll die trying now. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's that's doing normal. it. Everybody's like we spoke about it in one of the podcasts a couple of weeks ago about how these females be knocking these pull ups out like it's nothing. Yeah, yeah. Back <clears> when I was young, it was something special to see a female do a pull up. Now they're doing like 12 minutes. Can you do that? Hold on, hold on. What are you talking about back in the day? About <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm no, right one now. now. <laughs> I'm oh, yeah. Stop. oh, yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, we had a, we had a certain amount that we had to do. Okay. See, I try to check me on this uh, Your goals in life moving forward. Retirement is one of them. Besides that? I want to keep doing, uh, I want to be able to keep doing what I love doing. Right. And being involved in track and field has is, is been my passion. There was a time, like, I just got this position this year. Last three years, I wasn't coaching. And... Uh, First year I was, you know, because I've been coaching for like 17 years straight. So I felt, okay, well, if I take a break, it's no big deal. I'll just unwind, be a fan of the sport and just watch, you know, track meets and just not be involved. And then by year two, it felt kind of surreal because my whole calendar is based on the track season. Right. And then by third year, I was like, well, what am I? Who <laughs> right. am I? What, what do I call myself? I've been coached. Elaine for the last 17 right. years, and now I'm not coaching, and <laughs> Who life is moving. Yeah, so, right. so, so I'm like, oh, and then out of the blues, I got a phone call saying, hey, you know, there's a position open, and I think you would be good for it. So I was like, again, somebody offers you, offers you an opportunity. Don't think too hard about it. Right. I didn't ask about, well, are they funding it, or is right. there, what's the facilities like? It was like, all right. Take it, figure I'll, it out later. Yeah, yeah. It works let's, or it let's, doesn't. Let's, let's do it. And you don't know what the next door is going to be open to, right. but you got to be open to, to to whatever doors are offered. So Stay open to opportunity. Y'all. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because so. that door can lead to another opportunity. Right. That's, <clears throat> look, look at you. Yeah. You were on the track, messing around, yeah. joined the team. Yeah. Next thing you know, you're training for a yeah. master's championship. Yeah. Finland. Got a certification in coaching. It was coached two, what, how many seasons did you coach her? I'm confused two. about who I ran with and who I coached. You don't yeah. even know. <laughs> you know, he ended up coaching the team that he was on. Wow. Uh, you wow. know, and, and, and then you went back to school and, yeah. you know, it's just, it's just part of the evolution. So, yeah. you know, one thing, you don't know what caused what, but yeah. there, there's a sequence of event that took place and, you know, it was a chance. Opportunities. Yeah. All right. That was awesome. Uh, biggest fear, favorite book. Um, what's some words you live by? You know, what's your word? I'll give you, for example, my, my word is progress. I mean, that's my purpose in life, to move forward, to make sure that my kids don't have to go through some of the things I did, blah, 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 blah. But, but progress is my word. As long as I'm waking up, putting myself in a position to see them move forward, I'm, I'm, I'm serving my purpose. That's my word. Yeah, no, um, I, I, I would have to say, for me, Take a little break. Think about that. Because David didn't answer his the first podcast. <laughs> and we're like in the fifth podcast right now. So David should have this by now. So David, I'm trying not to make eye contact with him. <laughs> what you want? What you want? <laughs> but but, 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 in, but me as a coach, I'm always I'm always teaching. I'm always I'm always trying to teach these life lessons there that they go. can carry on. So 
I've got a bunch of them. I just, I just can't. I'm just drawing, right. drawing a blank right now, but you know, it's opportunities. Uh, always learn from others' mistakes. No, no, no. This is your word. My word. Your word. <laughs> what drives you? What makes you get up out of the bed and go to work every day? That type of thing. Keep grinding. Okay. That's 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 what I always say. Just keep grinding. Okay. I, I used to like the keep grinding thing, but the grind gonna have to stop eventually. I, I'm 45. I'm gonna be 50 soon. So how long I gotta grind? <laughs> change the type of grind you do, but, mm, but keep grinding. grinding. Life requires it. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, uh, life, 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 no. life is a struggle whether you're up or down. Yeah. Don't so, get comfortable. So you got you got to fight. <laughs> life throws stuff at you that you, you got to be ready yeah, for. You, you don't know where lying. it's coming. You ain't lying. You know, so it's like you got to keep grinding. You're gonna be grinding one way or the other. Keep grinding. Even mm-hmm. just to keep your mobility. Just right, so that you don't right. have to be in a retirement home, right, okay. or, or you know, you you grinding just so that you get get the okay. bills paid, or that you can have you yeah. know what you need for your kids. Okay, you you grinding one way or the other. Yeah, and that's Grind, funny. Grinding to keep your marriage together. I mean, yeah. it's always something. Because when you keep grinding to get on top, but then when you get on top, now everybody coming for you. So right. you got to grind you, even whether harder. you're up or you down. Yeah. This is, life is a struggle grinding. regardless. Got it. You know, it doesn't it doesn't no matter what you're going through, the the earth doesn't stop. It doesn't start rotating. People ain't gonna stop breathing. So you gonna get passed up real quick. Yeah. You're sitting here flustered about your own situation, so you got to keep going. Keep grinding. Keep grinding. All right. That's what's up. That's the word we live by. All right. Anything you want to share with us before we wrap it up, Coach? I mean, it's, it's, it, my life has been an adventure. I couldn't have predicted half of the things that have mm. taken place. All right. I'm, I'm really thankful that I've been able to say yes more than no, and that, that's added to the quality of my life. So if, if, if I have to give any words of advice, it's always going to be that theme. Say yes more than you say no. Okay. You know. That's, what's that's up. awesome. I like that. That's what's up. So, uh, yeah, we always want to hit you with some of this Good Hurt swag, Coach. So I put one of the Good Hurt Apparel Creed shirts in here. That. Size extra large, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm still yeah. an extra large. Because right, I was looking at the orders that you did in the past, yeah. and I saw a couple double X's in there. But I was like. I, I got up to like 234. <laughs> I was, point, like, nah, I was I'm, like, I'm going with the XL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I had to work my way back down. If you take anything from this episode, it should be some of the following. One. Say yes to opportunities and figure out the logistics later. Two, keep grinding because the grind don't stop. And three, when you're in an airplane, wear your freaking (laughs) seatbelt. This has been another episode of Good Hurt the Podcast. I'm your host, Coach T. Good Hurt. Please rate, review, subscribe. And as always, thank you for listening.